Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. As always, we are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we want to help you. It's our obligation. It is our duty. It's our responsibility week after week, day after day, every opportunity we get to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. First and primary way, if you want to, you can call 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get your thoughts, inside opinions on the air for whatever you want to do or say. You're able to do that. You can also hit us up. On our Facebook page, the Zero Network on Facebook, go to that page, like that page, and you'll get all kinds of updates. Uh, you can follow archive shows. You can get that there, and, and you can leave some comments there also. You can even make suggestions. You can even make suggestions about what you think we ought to talk about. I like that. So you can do that at the Facebook, uh, the Zero Network Facebook page. Also, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, at Zero Radio, that's the Twitter address, uh, whatever moniker, I don't know what they call it. But you can send tweets. <laughs> we try to tweet during the show, and uh, we invite you to do uh, to join us in doing that. Also, the chat room is open, so you can go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today, and you can get in the chat room and get your thoughts, insights, inspiration uh, on there also. And hit me as prophesy at yahoo.com or pastor lorenzo neal at gmail.com if you need to contact me for whatever reason and you want to share your thoughts there that's also a way to do that we're excited about today as always this is the day that the lord has made and we're excited about it we hold no punches we don't hold back we're here to 
present to you truth that empowers and liberates. Amen. So we got an interesting topic that we're going to be talking about today. That is what we'll be talking about today. So we're looking forward to a wonderful show. We want you to tune in. Stay tuned with us while we do that. I had to stumble for a little bit. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We bless you for you are good. You are great. Your mercies are new every morning. We are grateful for that. Now as we go forward to the show, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be found acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. This is our prayer. Amen. Well, today is Earth Day. And I know there's a lot of celebrations going around today. And, uh, you know, uh, when, I was, when I was in school, we didn't put much emphasis on Earth Day. Uh, and although it's been around now for decades, you know, we... Good Southerners didn't care too much about it, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting as 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 I've grown and matured, and I'm hearing the rhetoric behind climate change. Uh, it used to be global warming, but uh, that could never be proven, you know, scientifically could never been proven. So they changed the rhetoric, and they now call it climate change, and that encompasses everything you can think of. So, and President Obama and Secretary of State John Kerry are really pushing forth this agenda about uh, helping Americans be aware of climate change. And they even went so far as to say climate change, climate change is more of a threat to American people than terrorism. Now, I don't buy that. I'm one of these persons. I, I love the planet that I live on. I understand that we ought to be good and faithful stewards to everything, um, the creator. And even if you don't believe in the creator, you got to if, – if you don't believe in the creator, you have to admire how the earth uh, replenishes itself, renews itself. And I think we ought to be stewards of that. We don't – we you know, not just not litter, but we should really be aware and cognizant of what we – how we how we manage our resources – you know, I think about the drought that's been going on in California. And remember back in the day, the famine and drought that was happening in some parts of uh, eastern Africa and Ethiopia and some other parts, Somalia, Sudan, areas like that. Uh, and I think about, you know, the resources that we rob, that we pillage, the natural resources that uh, some corporations are using to their advantage. And it's it, it, it's is disrupting the natural evolution of uh of the planet. Uh now you some you may say why well, he he threw in that word evolution. Uh evolution is, is something I believe I mean, we evolve into the great I don't I don't I don't necessarily uh, ascribe to the theory of evolution and that's neither here nor there, that's not my argument. Uh but when it comes to this issue of climate change, I I live in the South. I'm from Louisiana, and I live in Mississippi now. And when I talk about climate change, I mean literally. <laughs> someday you don't know what it's going to be like. <laughs> this week it's been cool and hot and rainy, and it's just Wednesday. <laughs> That's the kind of climate change I'm 
talking about. I'm not worried about all this. <laughs> I know, I know. I need to do better. But I, I try. To, I do try to look at the larger picture, and I do try to look at what are we leaving behind for our gener. Now, you know, the generations following us. How are we teaching our children to be good stewards of Earth's resources, and without putting them. Uh, without pushing an agenda, a socialist agenda, a communist agenda. Well, I don't even want to use the word communist, but, uh, you know, that kind of agenda. And and it's a scary thing to know that some, they're, they're public educators, they're, they're politicians, and there are uh, some far left wing and some far right wing activists who are engaging this day just to present their agenda, destroying, I mean, not, not trying to cultivate an awareness and a love for stewardship toward our our, our our earth, but only simply to produce uh, present in a either a political or economic agenda that is not that's going to benefit somebody else and more likely is a corporation. And by the way, since they're talking about going to this great uh, summit on climate change, how do you think they're going to do that? They're certainly not going to take a boat. They're not going to row. You know, they're not going to take a steamboat. They're not going to take a, a rowboat, <laughs> a sailboat. They're going to fly. <laughs> they're going to use gas, jet fuel, fuel. When they're over there, they're going to stay in the most expensive hotel. They're not going to stay in some, you know, company shack. They're going to stay in expensive hotels. They're going to be catered to. They're going to have all of their entourage who travels with them will have their desires met, you know. So, so it's it's just a big old faux uh, full, full appreciation, full show for the love of the earth. But do something today to show that you're a steward. Plant a seed, plant a tree, you know, understand uh, how, you know, the vitality of the soil, you know, help them see, help them understand why they need to mow the grass. <laughs> that may help them mow the grass and not complain about it. You know, help to understand, you know, the necessity of the plants and all of that stuff. Uh, everything works in this universe to benefit our humanity, and, and it's a wonderful thing when I when I think about that. And you know, I may be going on a little longer than I want to with this, but when I think about the universe, the Earth, and then you see the solar system, and you see the the vastness of the galaxies and vastness of the universe that we live in and to think that we're just a small dot humanity humans are just a small i mean we're so small in the overall scheme of things and yet you know we don't even appreciate that small thing that we have been charged as stewards so you know it is what it is but do something good to uh make your your earth healthy today and make it continuous, continuous. Do it, you know. Be regular about it. I'm trying to do something anyway, but that's a, neither here nor there. I got a, you know, there's there's several things that's been really, really been pushing my buttons as well as um, bringing out some dire concern to me. My, uh, I, I'm witnessing and watching all of these stories of police brutality. Particularly towards black black people, you know what's happening is we're seeing the media portray 
only the incidents of brutality, deaths against black people and, and it's causing causing a lot of unnecessary rage and anger. And it's just that's just me. I'm not saying it shouldn't be rage because I, I, I know this has been going on for a long time. There's nothing new. It's just that now, uh, especially since the time of uh since the deaths of Brown, Michael Brown and Eric Garner and um others, so many others recently, uh that is bringing back these these uh, narratives of evil committed by the law officials against black people. You know, it was the law who sick dogs on innocent black people trying to vote, trying to march. It was the law who allowed, the law officials who allowed fire hoses to be sprayed. It was the, it was the, it was the law who was standing in front of schools and, and buildings and not allowing black people to come in. It was the law allowing members of the Ku Klux Klan and other groups to lynch. And then <laughs> it was the law that was not sentencing them, not charging them. As if they did go to trial, you know, basically letting them go free. It was the law. So there regarding um, how black folks have been treated. And there's nothing you can really do about that. However, the the reality is that even though that exists, uh, even if we get body cameras, and even if you know police get body cam- cameras, and even if um, even if black men, particularly black men, learn how to behave themselves around law enforcement, they're still going to happen. But what grieves my heart is that. And I'm not just gonna be honest with you. I, I'm I'm grieving because some white people just don't see it. Some some white people just think that you know. And yes, there's you know what? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about technology. I'm I'm in the middle of my my rant, and all of a sudden my whole Everything just shuts down. Just shuts down. Isn't that something? And so I'm going to apologize to you, the listeners and viewers. Uh, uh, everything. Uh, you know, hey, some things I just can't control. And I, even though I try, I just can't control it. But um, since I guess I am not supposed to be talking about that. <laughs> uh, I I I still I I still grieve. My heart still grieves about uh, the brutality. And I don't even know if y'all heard half the stuff I was saying, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Goodness gracious, man! I tell you, you know, it is what it is, and we're going to keep rolling, do best what we can. I'm I'm, I'm working without a monitor. I'm working without a cell phone. I usually have two phones going. And uh cell phone is not working. Uh other another phone is not working. I don't know what's going on with my technology today. But hey, it is what it is. We're trying and we're gonna keep doing it 'cause um it needs to be done. But anyway, I'm gonna take this break and when we come back we'll talk a little bit more we'll talk we'll try to get into uh main topic for the day. So 
Let's hope this works. We'll be back right after this. When we made our commitment to the Gulf, BP had two big goals. Help the Gulf recover and learn from what happened so we could be a better, safer energy company. I've been with BP for 24 years. As part of the team that helped deliver on our commitments to the Gulf, and I can tell you, safety is at the heart of everything we do. We've added cutting-edge safety equipment and technology, like a new deep water well cap and a state-of-the-art monitoring center where experts watch over all our drilling activity 24-7. And we're sharing what we've learned so we can all produce energy more safely. Safety is a vital part of BP's commitment to America and to the nearly 250,000 people who work with us here. We invest more in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. Over $55 billion here in the last five years, making BP America's largest energy investor. Our commitment has never been stronger. Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to their site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. If you love sweet treats and cakes and pies like me, I, and you're not supposed to have them like me, but you still love them, I want to recommend to you that you check out Shima's Gourmet Sweets. On the Tracy Earl bakes up some of the finest crafts this side of heaven. She's going to actually do my birthday cake, and I'm excited about that. But Shima's can give you any sweet tooth, any sweet tooth that special treat, including gourmet apples, popcorn balls, designer cakes for any occasion. And, of course, she can do it all. The cake pops, you name it, they can get it to you. So if you're in the need for sweets <laughs> and you know you're not supposed to have them, like me, still give Shima's Gourmet Sweets a call at 601-940-7897. I guarantee it would be the best, best, bestest stuff that you ever tasted. I love it. I've had it. I'm telling you, you don't want it. You're, you're going to want to get it, and you're going to regret it later for getting it, but you're going to enjoy it when you get it. So call them, 
Chima's Gourmet Sweets. It's treats for every occasion. Again, 601-940-7897. And tell them Pastor Lorenzo Neal sent you. I bet you they'll help you out a little bit. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to Farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are Farmers. Bum, da, da, bum, 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 bum. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And even in the midst of technical difficulties, we are still going to strong on the air. And I tell you, I don't know if it's what it is, but, hey, we are here, and we're glad to be here. Um, so we want to get into the topic of the day. But before we do, I want to uh, invite you today. Uh, uh, the, the Today marks the fifth anniversary of my first uh, book, Breach of the Family. It's the fifth anniversary. We got a fifth anniversary edition that is coming out. And I want you to pre purchase your copy. It's been expanded and revised. And I know if you enjoyed the first copy, you'll enjoy this copy. So I want to invite you to go to LorenzoTNeal.com and go to um, the store and purchase, pre order your copy of the revised edition of A Breach in the Family. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, we've added some a lot, a lot of great things in there. So it's, if you was blessed before, you're gonna really be blessed now. So get your copy today. If you didn't, if you don't, if you can't wait till it gets in, order your copy of the original book, and we'll get you another one. So order your copy of Breach of the Family. Pre-order your copy of the, the fifth anniversary edition that's coming out. Go to LorenzoTNeal.com and get that. So that is what it is. That's my plug for the day. <laughs> one of my plugs for the day. All right, let's get into our topic for today. So there has been uh, uh, this week has been a funny week uh, in Black America because of an article that was published by the New Republic magazine, uh, written by Dr. Eric Michael Eric Dice, uh, Dyson or the Reverend Dr. Uh, Michael Eric Dyson. If you're not familiar with who he is, uh, Michael Eric Dyson is one of the foremost black public intellectuals of this century. He is a well-respected author, a political commentator, and um hip-hop cultural critic. And he recently, on Monday, he published an essay through the New Republic magazine that pretty much uh called out the other most one of the more prominent African Americans in public and intellectuals, that is Cornell West. And if you're not familiar with Cornell West, you have been living under a rock for the last twenty years or so. Cornell West is the most 
uh, contemporary in contemporary America, the most prominent uh, black intellectual on the planet. I uh, very well known came to rock. He came to preeminence in the nineties, uh, particularly after writing a book, Race Matters, um, and his discourse. He was the first uh, PhD. Uh, personal uh, awarded a PhD for Princeton or something like that. I think it was in philosophy or maybe I miss, I'm missing that. But anyway, he's been a tenured professor. He, he has a professor emeritus position at Princeton and he's taught at Columbia. He's taught at several places. He's taught in the fields of social justice. He's taught uh, politics and religion. And um, He's just, you know, the dude is one of the baddest dudes on the planet when it comes to uh, articulating, uh, prolifically articulating uh, the angst of black Americans. And, and he he's a down, he's a big, I've had the opportunity to meet him. I've had the opportunity to meet Dr. Dyson also. And both men and their, are in their own right, scholars par excellence. But the recent essay written by Dr. Dyson uh, that is basically calling out Cordell West because of what he is, his positions have been recently. It seems to have garnered a lot of a negative tension, mostly because of his uh, what he has been saying about President Obama. That's that's been the biggest cause, but also most recently he he's uh, aroused Jewish disdain because he was encouraging Princeton University to divest from Israel, and and both of these men are progressives. They're not conservative by any means. Uh, their theology is progressive. Um, uh, Michael Eric Dyson is. Uh, Liberal leaning, who is usually featured on CNN and MSNBC, and of course Dr. West also. In those same, in the same contrast, is an outspoken socialist, and he's a leader in, uh, I want to say, one of those socialist parties. I can't recall exactly, but anyway, um, this this essay, and it's a long essay. But then again, Dr. Dyson never writes anything short. <laughs> I have several of his books, and they are, you know, they are not short reads. But I enjoy reading. I enjoy. I fancy myself as an academic. I fancy myself as a scholar because I like writing, and I like doing. You know, I like doing the research and articulating it in, in uh, the rhetoric of the day. I, I really enjoy that, and uh, I enjoy reading. Um, you know, I'm one of those dudes that don't mind going to a, a library and reading the journals, you know. <laughs> I don't mind reading books. Uh, I like reading the scholarship. And I just tell my church the other day, when it comes to, you know, when I do research for my sermons and things of that nature, not only I don't just read the books and the popular books about popular preachers or whatever. I go to the to the scholarship. I go to the dissertations that be because this is what is determining what is being, you know, you know the trends in the seminaries and in the public sphere, you know, academic sphere is what that's what the thought trickles down to, you know, those who go to seminary it it depends on who they're influenced by, you know, academically. 
uh, and uh, scholarly that they they will reflect in their preaching and their their pastoring or whatever. But anyway, so Cornell West has uh, ha- has been ranting against at one at one time he campaigned for President Obama and has since uh, reneged on that campaign. He for one reason or another. Sellout. For what reason or another, he has he has said that um, President Obama is like a black faced Rockefeller, as according to the article there. But anyway, uh, this dissension between these two scholars, this rift between these two scholars, has made the rounds of social media and has gotten has gotten a lot of attention, primarily because most black folk don't even care about these two. Uh, Most black folk aren't really aware about these, especially the younger generation. They're not really aware. They may see uh, Dr. Dyson or Cornel West as hip-hop icons because they're you know, Cornette West, particularly with the Hip Hop Summit, Michael Eric Dyson writes about hip hop artists like Tupac Shakur, and you know he he listens to the beat of the streets and is able to articulate that. Uh, Cornell West has made spoken word recordings along to whip hop uh, some some uh, hip hop icons like you know and and so these men are relevant yet irrelevant at the same time, but. What what it does is it offers some sense of uh, diffusion and dissension among the black community because you have these public intellectuals who are speaking out for whatever reason they feel that they are able to speak out and and then we see the backlash you know they're beefing. They're beefing, and what makes it worse is that West and uh, West and and Dyson were at one time mentor and mentee. Dyson was afforded the opportunity to attend Princeton because of West. Dyson, Dyson, you know, uh, sat under the defeat of West, if I could use that expression. And and uh, he did all of that. Um, and you know he he gained his reputation on the back of dice uh, on the back of West, and now having become uh, a a staunch proponent of, of President Obama, has now uh, terminated his relationship with Dr. Cornell West. I wrote a piece, and uh, you can go to my uh, website, Lorenzo T. Neal. Dot com and you can see the piece that I wrote or you go to Facebook my Facebook page and you can see the link to the piece that I wrote regarding this. And my take on this is twofold. One, um this rift reflects uh the fluctuality of black thought and praxis 
What do I mean by black thought and praxis? This this rip kind of peels back the covering of the black liberation movement, the black prophetic voice movement and social social prophetic voice movement. For example, you know, during the 60s you had prophetic voices speaking to the oppression of white supremacy. You had James Cone, you had Cecil Cone, you had uh, Dr. King, you had so many others that I could name speaking out publicly uh, against this. And they had a continuity of thought that flowed throughout the various spheres of American society, theologically, socially, politically, Adam K. Powell and those other guys. And, you know, you saw the connection. There was a connectivity between them. And even if there were a rift, back in that day, you didn't, you know, you didn't publicize it. You didn't go public. You waited to decades afterwards <laughs> to do so. <laughs> but today in this, in this, we see, we see that what there is is that uh, the media is part of it because they're trying to create this uh, this perception that all black intellectuals think the same around race issues. Uh, and, and to the, some degree, the, the academic community, the black black academic community does. But there's a proliferation of thought out there. There's not and voices out there that are not being heard, and as well as proliferation of praxis to how to get that voice, that prophetic voice from into practice, from, from rhetoric into practice. And and that's something most black people don't even think about. You know, we have their various voices that are expressing it in one way or another, but those voices usually are decompressed. They're compressed to the point that, you know, that they don't want to be, you know, certain certain parties don't want them to be heard. And certain parties will do all they can to make sure that their voices are stifled and not heard. Or if they're heard, they're not heard coherently. And also, uh, it, it's been relegated now, you know, the voice of the black intellectual has been relegated to nothing more than mere appearances and sound bites on popular uh, media outlets. I got several quotes here. I just want to, uh, you know, I want to touch on and, and and read that helps undergird some of my thought and some of my argument uh, about this. Uh, first, uh, <laughs> I really like this quote. And this comes from um, Eddie S. Glaude, Jr., I think I said that right, who is the William S. Todd Professor of Religion and African-American Studies in the Department of Religion at Princeton University. Uh, and he's also the chair for African-American Studies there at Princeton. Well, this is what he says. This, this is what he says. Too many black intellectuals have given up the hard work of thinking carefully in the public about the crisis of facing black America will either become cheerleaders for President Obama self-serving or self-serving pundits. Our celebration of this singular achievement and our crazed desire for access have made many of us born-again patriots. Now, that says a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Uh, but 
the thing about it is, is, is look at what he says. What he says here is that we have either become cheerleaders for black, for our our president Obama, or we become self-serving pundits. Either way, it has not benefited the entirety of the black community. The voice is not there. The rhetoric is there, but the prophetic voice is not there, and that's part of the problem. He goes on to say, all too often, what stands for. Stands in for the black intellectual these days are folks who can spin a phrase and offer a soundbite. The idea of the intellectual who reads widely and deeply and who is critically engaged, who critically engages the complexity of our times, has been supplanted by the fast-talking black PhD pundit who strives to be on CNN, Fox, or MSNBC. And this is basic, that sums up basically what West and Dyson have become. Because they are to they are the go to guy and there's another one I can't think of right now who have become the go to go to guys for black academics. You know and and you know, I'm a, I'm gonna talk about the church folk too because you know, you got a lot of these folk who calling themselves doctor, Reverend Doctor and they are not doctor at all. Far from it. Um very, very far from it. Look, I'm gonna take a quick break again and when we come back we're going to get some more into this. Be right back. Love to walk. A long walk. A a walk with you. A walk I smelled squirrels on, but I stayed by your side because I could tell, could feel, that you had a bad day and me being bad wouldn't make it any better. But being there was already helping a little anyway. And then we found that wonderful thing waiting there, waiting for you and me. And you smiled and threw it. And I decided right when I picked it up, I would never, ever leave it anywhere. Ever. Because that wonderful, bouncy, roll-around thing had made you play. And that had made you smile. Put more play in your day. Beneful. Play. It's good for you. Zero today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, I'm part of a place where I'm always challenged to do more. I am a part of a place where I can be involved. I'm a part of a place where everything is possible. I'm part of a place where champions are made. At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, you can get an affordable education with competitive degree offerings, diverse student population, and stellar faculty. Become part of a place where you can get everything you need to succeed. Become a part of the pride at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff.
journals that spe- you know for your specialty area. You know, and most times uh, those those journal articles don't get successively published as a mainstream book. There are a few in, in, that do. Uh, Race Matters by Dr. West was one of those. He had another one. Uh, his first, his dissertation that was later published was also one. Uh, are those? You know, it, it doesn't happen that frequently. Um, so when it does happen, when the few who make it break out of the academic field, break out of academia and, and get some type of mainstream acclaim, uh, you know, they are they just put up on pedestals as if they really matter, as if they are the most significant voice of the time. And they are told how they are to talk, what they are to talk about, and they're not free or liberated to be who they are. And that's part of the problem, you know. I listened to a um, Dr. Dyson. He presented at the, um, oh, what church was this? Alfred Street, I believe. Alfred Street Baptist Church earlier this year, they had a, a symposium on race, uh, race and religion, I believe, and uh, I want to say it's Alfred Street Baptist Church that he presented at, and I, I caught a clip of uh, one of the sessions. You can go to YouTube and Google. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty confident that it's Alfred Street, and the pastor at Alfred Street, uh, Doctor, uh, oh boy, Howard John Wesley, um. I got his name wrong. <laughs> it is on the tip of my tongue, but he's a dynamic scholar in a, the pastor there on Alfred Street is a dynamic scholar in and of himself, and uh, and so he's he for example, he's one of these uh, pastors that I'm speaking about who are, are finding a way to to keep the prophetic voice into intellectual voice, and Cornell West was doing that. At one time in the nineties, that's who he himself. He, you know, Cornel West is a self-appointed prophet, and he, he, you know, you listen to various interviews with him from the nineties and early two thousand. You'll hear him say that he is a prophet. He he considers himself to be a prophet, and he spoke prophetically, but he lost that voice. The voice has been tainted. Doctor Michael Dyson, it's the same way. He spoke prophetically. You know, he would speak prophetically to the issues of gender and social social ills and biases and things and and he stood up for that you know and you know uh and the the public loved it because he's speaking righteously as as some people would say he was speaking righteously but again once that voice becomes tainted uh and these brothers both you know both assert uh, assert a spirituality in their underpinnings and in their intellectual underpinnings that thr- uh, thrust forth their voice uh, but the connection is low. I, I think I think about the persons like Leon Sullivan, um, Howard Thurman, of course, Dr. Martin Luther King, who everyone esteems as not only just an advocate for social justice and civil rights, but also a modern day prophet. You listen to his sermons, you can hear the prophetic unction, not just from his speeches. That you know, the, the I have a dream speech is definitely. A prophetic unction speech, a speech with prophetic unction. But to listen to some of his sermons, like and you read some of his books, uh, he's a series that they compiled a sermons called "A Knock at Midnight" or something like that. I have it in my library, and when you see and you hear the prophetic unction 
from his voice, you understand that he was not speaking from himself, but he was speaking as a mouthpiece of, of God. And uh, that is being lost. Reverend Jesse Jackson, for example, he's not an intellectual, but he, he used to have a prophetic voice, but, you know, he sold out. <laughs> a lot of people say he is sold out. And, and that's what's lacking. This rift is is showing prophetic voices that are needed for the black community. We had authentic prophetic voices when we were oppressed. Think about that. When the slaves were oppressed, they had Nat Turner. They had Frederick Douglass. They had they had uh, Sojourner Truth. They had many, many others, Richard Allen and others, who were voices of righteousness during those times of oppression. Henry McNeil Turner and many, many, many others. And and, and we lost that prophetic voice. Uh W. E. B. Du Bois, who is who is idolized as the premier black intellectual of the twentieth century, in his book, The Souls of Black Folk, really belies and embodies the cry of for the need of that prophetic voice, even though himself was he himself was not necessarily religious, uh, he didn't really ha- adhere to a set of religious principles per se. He had an idea. Uh, he's probably an agnostic. I, I don't really know. Some claim he was an atheist. It doesn't matter. He he uttered the need for that prophetic voice, and I'm proclaiming today we still have a need for that prophetic. But that prophetic voice, we really are in search of that. What this rift does, what it says is that uh, black scholars are a means of communicating both the intellectual asset and empowerment of black people, but also are a tangible evidence, a tangible evidence of God's prophetic voice to some degree. Uh, and, and, you know, some may argue we don't need that right now. The black church really does need it. We are in need of trained preachers. And some may argue that, you know, that's not an argument. That's not. There's not a need for trained preachers if they speak by the Spirit. But, yeah, speaking by the Spirit is is good. But when you speak and you know what you're saying, that's even more powerful. Let me let me I just, this is is a quote by Melissa Harris Perry that, that really caught my attention. And, and um I I thought it was really enlightening when I read this. She says and this uh these uh uh was was written in the New York Times and and um this is what she says. Black academic communities have long engaged in robust, fruitful, sometimes personal, always interesting discussions that result in critical articles, conflicting data, and passionate conference presentations. But most of the work of academics go unnoticed. Then when one or two or ten of us manage to break out of the ivory tower just long enough to gain public attention in a way that brings institutional and personal resources. We are dubbed thought leaders when most often we are just best-looking 
just the best looking, most articulate thought synthesizers of our age. Let that sink in for a second. And she reiterates again some of the others I've quoted, and, and even in my my personal aspirations as, as an academic, uh, or I just you know uh, want to be academic. The fact that we can break out of the academic ivory tower she talks about, and look what she says. She said most times it's just because we're the best looking. And the most articulate. Because I know a lot of PhDs. A lot of PhDs who have book sense and no common sense. I have a lot I have no I know a lot of persons who have no book sense but can articulate thought deeply. You know, they don't know scholars, they can't quote, you know, they can't go back and do all of this. But they can think. And the greatest thing about being an intellectual is the fact that you're you're able to think clarity, with clarity and then articulate that with powerful rhetoric that can either convert or you know, or turn away. That's what it's going to do. The whole point of academia is to empower those to become thinkers, to think for yourself, free thinkers. And I have a friend that, um, who is very, very well, you know, I, I, when I, well, let's just say dude smart. I'm not going to say his name, but dude is smart, not bad looking, beautiful family, very well articulated. And, and the dude can do say things and bring up topics that leave me thinking. And yet, People aren't embracing him because he's not controversial. You get what I'm saying? They don't want the controversy. I mean, they want the controversy, but not the knowledge. And if they want the knowledge, they want the knowledge in in, in ways that are non-controversial. Something that can evoke the 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 heart. And thought of Dr. King, and not necessarily um, the power of that individual voice, because it, you have to you have to understand, King is dead. He's gone. His voice lives on through the mean, you know, his papers and through his his uh, recordings and speeches. But the new voice cannot be that of Dr. King. The new voice cannot be that of Dr. West. The new voice cannot be that of Dr. Dyson. The new voice has to be their own voice, and it has to be a prophetic one. When I say prophetic, I'm not I'm not ascribing in a spiritual manner. You know, I'm not talking about uh, in the in a spiritual sense, but I'm talking about in the social voice, the social arena, which is what Dr. King and others did. Their voice, social engagement. And that social engagement was one that caused awareness to people who would usually be unaware to such things. Who would usually go about their business without even paying attention to uh, the ills 
or the means of conveying uh, thought. Either way, it is what it is. I'm t- take a quick break, and when we come back, we will wrap up the discussion. If you have your thoughts, I'd love to hear it. Uh, so you can 347-237-5230 or hit me up at the Facebook page at Zero Network and to get your thoughts. Uh, share your thoughts or the chat room. Chat room still open. I know this has been one crazy one. So it is what it is. But we're going to still try to do what we can do before we get out of here. So we're going to take this break. We'll be right back. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed. To keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. GoCoastGuard.com Hey, what are you doing today? I'm backing up the computer. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. Hmm. Did you get everything backed up? Took care of it. For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically, so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the Limit the Cash I Earn Every Month card. It's not the I Only Earn Decent Rewards at the Gas Station card. It's the No Games, No Signing Up, Everyday Rewarding, Kung Fu Fighting, Silver Lightning in a Bottle, Bringing Home the Bacon Cashback Card. This is the Quicksilver Card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase, everywhere, every single day. So ask yourself, what's in your wallet? When we made our commitment to the Gulf, BP had two big goals. Help the Gulf recover and learn from what happened so we could be a better, safer energy company. I've been with BP for 24 years. I was part of the team that helped deliver on our commitments to the Gulf. And I can tell you, safety is at the heart of everything we do. We've added cutting-edge safety equipment and technology, like a new deep water well cap and a state-of-the-art monitoring center where experts watch over all our drilling activity 24-7. And we're sharing what we've learned so we can all produce energy more safely. Safety is a vital part of BP's commitment to America and to the nearly 250,000 people who work with us here. We invest more in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. Over $55 billion here in the last five years, making BP America's largest energy investor. Our commitment has never been stronger.
All right, welcome back to Zero to Dig In. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're wrapping up this this day, this segment, uh, talking about the rift of the black prophetic public intellectual. And and I closed out the last segment talking about the voice, uh, the prophetic voice that is needed in uh, the black community today. I got a quote I want to read to you um, that comes from uh, Will Gaffney. And I got this from my friend, a uh, uh, good friend of mine, uh, 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 Dr. Reverend C.J. Rhodes, uh, who is a uh, pastor extraordinaire. He's a scholar, academic himself. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful young man. But um, listen to what it says here. Uh, this is uh, Israelite and ancient Near East prophecy, monarchy. Uh, a court prophet is not the same as presidential surrogate. And a street prophet is not the same as a commentator who critiques both political parties, or for that matter, a socially conscious rapper. While some may presume that American presidents have or are or have been divinely appointed and elected and others wish for a theocracy, the religious role of the monarch in the ancient and Near East uh, prophetic tradition including Israel, has no corollary to our democracy. No corollary, not even in extant monarchies. Monarchies. Now, I really want to focus in to what he says, what he writes here, that um, a street prophet and a court prophet are not the same. They're not the same, and their roles should be should be relegated as such. And what you know when we're talking about and you lose a strip street rapper, you know, conscious, socially conscious rapper as a street prophet. And I, I understand that, and I I would say some even some pastors can be street prophets. But it when you talk about the field of academics and in in the academy, the court prophet are the ones that are recognized. These are the ones who are published. These are the ones who get their ideas out to the intellect, the ones who are in the colleges and universities. And these are the ones who are, you know, they consult with the powers to be to define uh, and, and to define how society should be. You know, not how it is, but how it should be. They are the ones who dictate how and what we should learn. And I believe wholeheartedly that we need a prophetic voice. We need that black prophetic voice as part of this. As part of that. Not only to not only to be a rabble rouser, as some call Dr. King and others like him, but to be an one who engages the black community especially in the religious the religious sphere because in the black community our politics and our religion are intertwined and white folk have always done that and they're trying to buy us into this this the same rhetoric and we have to learn to differentiate not so much be as you know in the separation of church and state kind of aspect but we have to learn how to differentiate the voice that we send out uh you know the civil rights movement integrated the religious aspect and as such that when they had their meetings, their meetings reflected the church service. Matter of fact, I never forget I went to a rainbow push meeting 
uh, sponsored by Reverend Jackson in Chicago, and I swear it was a church service. The only difference was the preaching were by were by activists who were empowered, saying go out and do this. And and sometimes they even had a preacher preach a sermon, and then the activists come back after the ser- you know after the sermon, and you know complete the rhetorical the rhetorical message, the rhetorical circuit circle that was and you know supposed to go forward. You know, they would have the choirs, they would have, you know, there would be the call and response type of atmosphere. And all because that is how we we, we relate it to uh, social movements. That has been lost in this generation because, uh, for example, with all the hype about Ferguson, uh, the church voice was there but was not as potent as it could have been, largely because the young people, the millennials who were organizing, the millennials who were out there who were expressing their rage and their angst did not want that voice because to them, that voice was irrelevant. The church voice didn't deal, had not dealt with, and was, to, in their minds, was incapable of dealing with the issue. They couldn't even handle the rhetoric presented by the media outlets. <laughs> they couldn't. And so so what we need is to find that prophetic voice that can stand out. And both Dr. West and Dr. Dyson have been that voice at one time, but how are they relevant now? And, and if they are relevant now, I'm not discounting their discourse in any manner, not at all, but I'm saying that their their voice has been tainted, and it's obvious by this rift how tainted it has become because now they're becoming nothing more than puppets, figureheads of a once Lively voice, a once prophetic utterance that spoke to the oppressed and spoke about the oppression. It's not there now. So, what do we do? What what, what do we say to all this? What's the what's the point? You know, and I write about this uh, in my piece. I say this. You know, we are in need of black and intellectuals who are unafraid to once again proclaim that what thus says the Lord to the masters of this American universe. We're in need of scholars who can help reshape the black mind into the great one it once was. There, and, and, and Dyson and West and many other scholars will share that space for a while. They're not going to be out of they're not going to be out of uh, the public eye. Matter of fact, the West is gaining more acclaim with the white evangelicals for speaking out against Obama, <laughs> and 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 um, Dyson is gaining more acclaim with the progressives for speaking out uh, with regarding gender issues, you know, LBGT, LGBTQI, or whatever it is. You know, he's gaining he's gaining the claim for that, and they're still missing out the one voice that matters, their own black voice. And yes, while both parties, you know, black people are part of all of this, yes, because there's some black conservatives who are jumping on the bandwagon, uh, hampering on President Obama, and, and rightly so in some cases, very much rightly so. And then there are those uh, those persons of the community, inclusive community, who are saying the black church and the black prophetic voice is more condescending and not empowering enough and enable people to be free to live as Christ would have them live. So either way, we need that voice. What is that voice going to sound like? It's going to be a different timbre than that of the voices 
of King and others. It's not going to have the same timbre, but it's going to have that. It should have that same connect. It should should have a refrain similar to that. The cadence should be reflective of the movement and recapitulation of the sound of the sonata should be empowering. It should be empowering. If it's not that, then his voice is lost. Just like Beethoven lost his ear, lost his hearing, and couldn't hear what he played. Yet his music, his sonatas, his symphonies still reign, still go forward. They are played by different people, but they are interpreted the same. So I said all that to say we're in need. I want to be one of those. I'm telling you, I want to be one of those prophetic voices. I want to be the type of scholar, academic, and pastor who can confront the ills of society in a way that is tangible, intellectually stimulating, and empowering. Is, am I, will I be able to do that? I don't know, but I ascribe to I, I aspire to such. And I encourage you to aspire to such. You you know, you ain't got to be super smart. I'm a, you know, I'm just a nerd. I'm a bookworm. I, 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 I am that. So, but you don't have to be that. But you need to find your voice. And you need to have a voice, find a voice that's empowering. You don't, you don't have to write the best essay. You don't have to write 10,000 page, 10,000 word essay. But you need to be able to articulate to the times, articulate the need, articulate the word, and articulate power to people. All right, I've run out of time, and I, I hope you enjoy it. I mean, in the midst of all this doggone technology difficulty and all this stuff, I, I, I wish I had more time to just, but, you know, it's coming along. I, it's coming along. It's going to be all right. We're going to upgrade. Uh, we are going to upgrade. I keep saying it, but we're going to upgrade. And we invite you to help us. <laughs> but either way, oh, we thank you for tuning in this week. As always, we are on every Wednesday at 11 o'clock, and we want you to join. You can go to iTunes, get the podcast, and download and listen to our, any of our podcasts all the way back from every episode as the last five years. You can also... Uh, if you want to, leave your commentary on the Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. However you choose to do it, we invite you to do it. We're glad that you tune in to us, and we invite you to do it. So also, again, I want to invite you to pre-order your copy of the 5th Anniversary Edition of A Breach in the Family, my book. You can go to LorenzoTNeal.com and uh, put your order in there, uh, and we'll make sure that we get it ready for you. And we want you to help us out with that any way you can to help defray the cost of this, you know, of this show. We appreciate all that you do to support us. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your, blah, blah, blah. we appreciate your support. But until next week, we got to get out of here. Thank you. God bless you. This is Pastor Deal, and I'm out. <laughs>